Are we paying too few for the water? Is the water too cheap in the Nordics? Globally speaking, it's obvious that we are we are paying too little. If we would be paying enough, then that would cover for the investment, at, at least the funding needs for the investment. Welcome to the Urbanista, where we discuss the water management challenges of Nordic cities. From safe drinking water distribution and stormwater collection to building sustainable urban living environments. Here is your host, Delphine Vassalo. Hey, welcome to The Urbanista. We are kicking off the autumn season with a series of interviews from the World Water Congress 2022, organized by the International Water Association in Copenhagen, Denmark. The aim of this Congress was to bring together the core water sector groups focused on urban water services, as well as industry and agriculture, architects and urban planners, soil and groundwater expert and hydrologist, social scientists and financial sectors. On the first day, we attended the high-level summit, which theme this year was Partnerships for Smart Livable Cities, Water as a Key to Action on Climate and SDGs. The result of this high-level summit was a powerful message to prompt cities to elevate water as they pursue their ambitions to create smart and secure livable cities for all. Cities that are climate safe and where citizens have access to sustainable water and sanitation services. Precisely, one of the most powerful messages came from the panel discussion about urban water governance for sustainable cities. In this panel, participated several experts from Denmark, the US, Sweden and the Philippines, together with our very own Ilari Ajo, Vice President Sustainability and Regulatory Affairs from Uponor. Right after the panel, we have a very insightful conversation with him. So here's the full interview with Ilari. So, who are you and what do you do? I'm Ilari Ajo, I'm the Uponor VP for Sustainability and Regulatory Affairs, and part of my day job is to create engagements with industry associations, both in the water and the energy sectors, globally. Globally, because as we are in this global Congress, there's people from Africa, from North America, of course, from Europe, and uh, particularly in the panel where you participated, uh, the urban water governance for sustainable cities. Well, there are many opinions, many, many things common. So what was the number one thing that you got out of that, of that discussion? I think the main thing that came out of that discussion was that while everybody agrees that appropriate, efficient and transparent governance is one of the main drivers for, for improving the, the water sector and solving quite a lot of the water-related problems in the world, governance is always context-dependent. So you can't have a one-size-fits-all decision from a panel in Copenhagen that could be then copy-pasted to any given context. So the, the, the main, main topic is, yes, governance needs to be improved, but you have to do that in a way bottom-up by in, engaging the community that you want to develop the governance for, rather than copying your solution from another part of the world. So better, never better explain that one size doesn't fit all. Definitely but, doesn't in this case in particular. But then what between all the all the stakeholders that we have in this 
in this mixed government academia, uh, of course, the water supplies and, and the manufacturers. So there's like pretty diverse interests there. Indeed, indeed, it's it's really diverse. And to make the, the topic even more complicated, you didn't mention two of the main stakeholder groups, which are related to the ones that actually then use the water and, uh, and produce the wastewater that needs to be treated, which would be buildings and water-intensive industries. And one remark that was just made in the, in the last session of the forum is that there's a striking absence of the very water-intensive companies from, for example, in this event. And we can't solve the, the, the water-related problems of the world unless we also fully engage those that industrially use high amounts of water. And from our point of view, from the Uponor point of view, if we don't engage those that invest in buildings and technologies and management systems in buildings that have a fundamentally important role in defining how much water is used in the first place. Right, so then what do we need to, to engage them or to bring them at least to sit in the same table, whether it's a big conference or, or whatever particular forum? So what do we need to bring them really together and start discussing? Well, that's the starting point, let alone let's do something. Well, let's sit and discuss it. Well, the, the simple thing that we need to ensure for the future is to make sure that we have water available in sufficient quantities mm -hmm. in the right quality for all the diverse stakeholders in mm -hmm. society and that can span from heavy commercial water users you mm -hmm. know food and beverage industries and such and go all across to the other extreme of of low income households in in poor neighborhoods of mega cities and you know, honestly speaking, we are again in a one-size-does-never-fit-all mm -hmm. kind of a situation. So in my view, the, the solutions to these different types, completely different types of problems, have to come from the community itself by engaging those that are relevant in a particular community, rather than looking at it top-down. Top-down development for, for, for solving the water problems of the world is very useful when we talk about defining a common direction and putting the right policies in, in place and even globally uh, mobilizing sufficient amounts of seed funding to get things started. Mm -hmm. But the actual action happens on the ground and is always community-specific. And then, in, in my view, in any given community, you will have the organizations that are responsible for managing the water system locally. You will have local or, in some cases, global supply chains that deliver to that water system. And most importantly, you always have the local inhabitants, the customers, the consumers for that water utility that are really the ones that need to be listened to in terms of understanding what needs to be done, what direction do things need to be developed and so forth. We have the tendency in Europe to look at this a little bit 
in a narrow manner because our societies are relatively homogeneous when it comes to water systems. But the moment you step outside, you realize that the, 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 the issues facing the water sector in the world are, are many and varied. But if, if we are, of course, if we go as far as Africa or North America, well, as you said, completely different solution, completely different priorities. But if yes. we just focus on the Nordic region, so then how can we start to do that? I mean, this, okay, communication, engagement with all the relevant uh, people, people, underlying people in the community. And uh, what else can we start to, well, where are we in the Nordic if, region? If I try to mirror what I heard today in the forum to, in particular, the, the Nordic environment, we don't really have an issue with the availability of water. Mm -hmm. I think we have more of, we are more faced with one of the other issues that was discussed today, which is how do we ensure that our built environment can cope with increased rainfall, with, with flooding in cities. And this is where what in certain circles are called hybrid green-gray infrastructures come into play. So combinations between nature-based solutions of dealing with runoff and stormwater connected with cleverly engineered, developed and, and operated man-made systems that then complement that nature-based part. So I think there's something where we would need to really focus on in the Nordics. Because as you said, If the Nordic region we are increasing, we are seeing an increased volume in the rainfall. So the existing infrastructure, well, clearly is not is not managing, you know, scope is not coping with it. So Correct. there's an important component of renovation. It's an it's an important component of renovation. It's also an important important component in city planning and urban development in general. I mean, we are in a situation with with vast built-up areas that only putting additional technical solutions in will not alone do the thing. And this is why the, the important thing is to, is to find clever combinations of engineered systems such as our companies mm -hmm. providing and nature-based solutions which take care of excess runoff in a, in a natural way through you know, natural retention mechanisms or, or uh, avoiding hard-covered areas and these sorts of things. Do, do you have in mind any example of this hybrid model? Is somebody doing better? Is it well, really well, luckily we are in Copenhagen. We also heard a couple of very inspiring examples on how the city mm -hmm. of Copenhagen is, is approaching these things by, by combining... Uh, man-made stormwater management systems with recreational areas where the runoff is then distributed to even by creating uh, new places for people to swim at. So artificially or creating flooding purposely for human recreation? Let's say semi-artificially, but that's, what, that's why they are called nature-based solutions okay. rather than nature solutions so there's a human intervention always there but yeah but, but copenhagen I mean. is a really nice example of taking those sorts of things forward 
because earlier this morning we were discussing also with uh, with the CEO of Blueberry uh, uh, what are you looking in the Yutan region? So, mm -hmm. hey, well, our country is pretty flat and yes. the, the sea is starting to eat us. The, the, the level of the sea is starting to, to rise so much that it's eating the water. Oh, and yes. of course, our cities are just, well, by the seaside. And then not just managing the water that we have to do inside the city. Now we have the, well, the menace from the sea that is coming over us. Certainly, that as well. And both of these will, of course, also have an impact on the resilience on, on the water distribution infrastructure itself. So one thing that is obviously common between Nordics and many other places of the world is we are running behind in investment in refurbishing and upgrading the, the actual original water distribution infrastructure. So there's a huge amount of what we call in Finland renovation debt. Exactly. That's and there the challenge to our types of industries is what kinds of solutions can we bring to the market that allow municipalities and utilities that sometimes are under rather serious investment constraints to, to still keep up with the, with the amounts of renovation that need to be done. So there we are talking about installation efficiency, material mm -hmm. efficiency, same service levels with less material, these sorts of things. So that's all engineering innovation in my mind. Yeah, so optimizing the money available, that is one way, yes, but then yes. new money, fresh money. So if the municipalities are, of course, they have to make tough decisions sometimes because the resources available, well, I mean, the monetary resources are, are what they are. And the, do we put this money into renovate our current from this area of the city, or do we build another hospital? Do we build that? So that's the dilemma yes. with the, the, the government. It's not that good. It's not an easy position that, to be that, that's, that, that's a municipal or a utility dilemma. Another one is if the rates that consumers are charged for water would actually need to cover everything that would need to be done in terms of improving the infrastructure and running it in a, in, in a sustainable and appropriate way, it might be that the rates would be, from a social sustainability point of view, unacceptable. So there's another dilemma for someone that has better understanding of the economics of the world. How to design a water rate system which reflects the actual value of water and the actual costs of providing that to the community, but at the same time avoids, like we now see in the energy markets, that would at the same time avoid putting the most vulnerable people at risk of not being able to afford the water service that they need. Are we paying too few for the water? Is the water too cheap in the Nordics? Globally speaking, it's obvious that we are we are paying too little. If we would be paying enough, then that would cover for the investments as well, at, at least the funding needs for the investments. But probably in the current time and age, that would mean that the the price of water would be socially unacceptably high, at least from the from the most vulnerable households point of view. So that's a that that's a really serious yes. thing to consider. That that's well that's a very complicated situation. So from from where do we start? Which is the priority based on the discussion that, that you heard this during this this high level summit? Which is the priority? From where do we start? Yeah, communication, community based uh, approach 
optimizing their resources, the, the economical resources that the, the investors, the municipalities have. From the, from the discussion today, I think there is some level of consensus that this needs to be started from the social angle. So designing solutions jointly that maintain and preserve the social acceptability of the investment that we put into the water system. I think it's a Nobel Prize winning question to, to, to get an answer to that today. But this is my takeaway from the discussion, that that's sort of the main angle where we need to start, because that's the only direction from which we can then reach the sustainability goals related to water. If we don't get social acceptance to the solutions that are being developed globally, then they will not be uh, accepted and the ultimate goals will not be reached. You mentioned sustainability goals. Was there any mention of all, I mean, we all know that the, 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 the goals that the United Nations has, but has there any mention here? So where do we want to, which is the objective that we are trying to... The, I would invite anyone to everyone to take a deeper look at the, the system of the UN Sustainable Development Goals because mm -hmm. one speaker today put it very nicely in saying that the, the Sustainable Development Goals themselves are only headlines. They don't really mean anything. Underlying the Sustainable Development Goals, mm -hmm. there is actually about 160 very concrete very measurable and very action-oriented targets. And those are the ones that we need to understand and start picking from in terms of, of defining what we and the communities around mm -hmm. us need to be doing. Well, still the discussion going on, very complicated, very complicated discussion. But the the world is complicated, yes. But the world is complicated, but there's, we, we can see the path, at least there's agreement Yes, certainly, certainly, and I, I think there's a, especially in these sorts of complex topics like the the, the water cycle of the world and the and, and governance of the water systems, there's a lesson to be learned from Albert Einstein that said, you should simplify things as much as you can, but never more than that, because then you start drawing the wrong conclusions. There you go. There you go. Very nice way. To conclude, and yeah, this is the conversation that is happening here right now uh, from Copenhagen. And uh, well, thank you so much, Hilary, for this summary of all the things that have been happening. And yeah, we will continue with more interviews, with more videos, bringing you what is the hot topic in discussing here in Copenhagen in these days. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Urbanista podcast, a production of Upono Infra the leader in sustainable infrastructure solutions. If you found it interesting, why don't you share it with your colleagues? We all together can move our industry forward.